Back in 1982, Sophie's Choice was a movie that had an indelible impact on me. In its pivotal scene, we find Meryl Streep's character Sophie with her two small children on their way to the Nazi death camps during the Second World War. Waiting in line, they're approached by an officer who forces Sophie to choose between her children or have them both killed. It's not one of those movies that leaves you feeling good about Nazis, but overshadowing Meryl's chilling performance, I was always kind of distracted by the question of who my mother, Elise, would have selected had she been forced to whittle her brood of 11 down to just one. Would it be an agonisingly long process like choosing her lotto numbers? Or casually spontaneous, more like a quick pick? Avoiding the question, she told me she would have handed the lot of us over just to get a moment's peace. So Elise's choice would have been a shorter film, but no less confronting. So when I heard Ali's story, I was instantly taken back to 1982 and left to ponder the choices her mother made for her own sake and for that of her children. Welcome to my fucked up family. Ali, welcome to My Fucked Up Family. Oh, thank you for inviting me. Well, I've heard a little bit about your story and I absolutely love it. So, as we normally do with these things, I'd like you to take us back and tell us a little bit about your childhood and where you grew up. Well, uh, I grew up in the north of England, so um, just outside of Newcastle, and mm -hmm. people know us as Geordies. Mm -hmm. and what era, around what year are we talking? Oh, late 60s, late early 60s? 70s. Okay, good, yep, yep, it was open slather back in those days, I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so um, oh, am I giving away my age? That's not too bad, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Don't you worry about it, I'm sure you look fantastic for whatever age you may be. Totally. <laughs> uh, okay, so you grew up, up up around Newcastle, yep, and how many of you were there in the tribe? So I am the youngest of seven, mm -hmm. and um, I, I really love being the youngest, and I think it's very important because all the rest look after you. Yes. I had, there's five girls and there's two boys. Um, the upside is there was always someone to take me out, Yep. and the downside is I had six mothers. I had... Five mothers, sorry. So my four sisters and my mum. Yeah. There was always someone to tell me off when I did something wrong. Yeah, so, right. Um, so you yeah. couldn't get away with anything, really. Couldn't did, get away with anything. Were you also accused, because I'm the youngest of, of 11, is, is was it also, were you often accused of uh, being spoiled? Absolutely. And mm. I deny that to mm. this day. Me too. But, yeah, they absolutely, they all say, oh, you had everything. It was much harder when we were younger. and um, But I, definitely. And I said, oh, you know, it, so the first four are all within a year of each other. So the first one's a boy, and then there's three girls. So the girls, all had, they had hand-me-down clothes. Yeah. And and so they always say that to me. Yeah. Oh, well, you were so little that you never got hand-me-down, so you always, always had to have new clothes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, my – so we, I grew up in quite a poor area, and um, we lived – we had a rented house, mm -hmm. and we also had – meal ticket so i used to get a meal ticket for school dinners when i went to school and i say to my two girls all the time you know the the worst thing was when you went to hand in your ticket for your your lunch because everybody knew you couldn't afford the lunch so i just think it was so embarrassing some of my girls think, so it was like embarrassing it was like uh tuck, it was like tuck shop for poor people it was like tuck shop for poor people and it was hot dinners yeah you know, we had to have we got free cold milk in the morning. Oh, to this day, I can't drink milk. 
And um, yeah, and we got free lunches on a little, and it's a dinner ticket. <laughs> So, uh, which is why I always say to the girls, are you going to have some dinner? And they go, mum, it's lunchtime. I go, oh, yeah, okay, it's dinner. Mum's having, having flashbacks. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh, you poor thing, you poor thing. And so did you find that, um, so you mentioned that your your sisters were were in fact also your your mum took that role so were you abandoned quite a lot in the care of your your siblings very much yes yeah and in fact my mum says that when I was born she said um and I'm pretty sure I was a surprise because she'd had six within 10 years and then there was this five-year gap and then I came along oh right wow yeah okay I was a surprise yeah and she said (laughs) not a pleasant one I I bet Yeah, I know, bless her. She said, when I was a baby, she hardly ever got to hold me because there was always somebody wanting to give me the bottle, um, you know, or cuddle me. or And, of course, there was nine of us in a three-bedroom terraced house. Yeah. So the five girls all slept in one bedroom. Yeah. Um, and the two boys had the uh, had bunk beds in what was known as the box room. Tiny. That's quite interesting because I remember my mum saying that when I asked her about the amount of work that must have been involved in having an 11 children, she explained that there was like a, a tipping point. I can't remember at what point that came, that – with a few kids, yes, you were you were having to do all this work, but then it got to the point where they started then to actually help more than hinder. So maybe it was at about four or five kids, it actually started to get easier. <laughs> That's why I yeah. reckon she just kept on churning them out because it was yeah. like, oh, yeah, someone else will take care of this one for us. Okay. Well, my, two of my sisters married guys who were one, who were of 11, so one of 11. So two of my brother-in-law's, have, both have 11 in their families and I always made me feel that I was from a small family. Small family, family. yeah. Oh, it's really not that big. Yeah. So. yeah, it's funny how you look at those things. You, you know, it's your, it's your frame <laughs> of reference really because I can assure you that seven is a very big family. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> yeah, it and, definitely feels big. <laughs> and so tell me a little bit then about, uh, so there's five years between you and the next oldest and was that a boy? Or, that would have been a boy then, would it? Yes, yeah. Right. So the, the eldest was a boy, and then there were four girls, and then another, another boy, boy, and then me. Right. Yeah, yeah. And he was my um, babysitter. So, um, you know, my mum would go out, probably yeah. just to the bingo, because right. that was a wild night for my mum, but the bingo. <laughs> and, um, and what he would do is he would sit me in front of the Park Ray fire, which was a coal fire. You know, we used to get coal delivered. Yeah. And he'd say, like, 10 minutes after she left me, go, don't move. And I'd sit in the middle of the living room. And I think I must have been about six. Yeah. And he would then go out with all his friends. And then he'd come home 10 minutes before she was due home to then put me to bed. And so I remember, you know, being really lonely and scared and sitting in the middle of the house going, oh, my goodness. But my poor mum. She thought I was in bed being babysat by my brother in the house. Uh, I did. I told her that a few years ago. My mum passed away um, a few years ago now, but I remember telling her that, you know, and she was like, no way. <laughs> my brother was in so much trouble, but right now he was in his 
He was in his 30s and he didn't care. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. And he just petrified you so much that you actually didn't move. I, you just sat there. I didn't move. I sat, lucky the place didn't catch fire. Oh, my goodness, yeah. No, those, those park ray fires were really good. But I remember we used to put our feet on the glass. They had little glass. Uh, they had these glass... Um, Goodness, they were like little bars, like glass bars. Yeah. And you'd open it up, you'd throw your coal in and then close it. Yep. And I remember you could, if it was just a bit of coal on there, you could put your feet on the glass and they'd warm your feet, but they'd sometimes burn your socks. <laughs> so <laughs> nylon of your socks would start to melt. So, um, yeah, no, we were, we were really lucky. We didn't have any fire. Oh, well, what's, what's the worst that can happen? We did have a fire once. Yeah. We did have a fire once. Oh, my goodness. So I was about six, and I was supposed to be in bed. And, of Mm. course, I was up and sort of playing in my bedroom. And so when you walked into our bedroom, there was a double bed, Mm. and there was a single bed with not very much width between it, almost just a person's width. So one of my sisters was asleep in bed. And then I was there. I think she was working by that stage. She must have been 17 and working. And I was in the double bed and my other sisters hadn't come to bed yet and we used to have candles around the house because we had um, an electricity meter yeah. where you put money in it yep so if we didn't have any money we didn't have any electric so we often had candles around the house when mum ran out of money because we, we were quite poor so I had a candle and some matches and I thought, oh, I know what would be a good idea. What if I light the bedspread? Do you remember the old bedspread? Yes. That's all the tassels hanging And the tassels, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and so I'm going to light the tassel. I'm going to go to the bathroom, get a cup of water and put it out. So this was my plan. Mm -hmm. So I lit the bottom of the bedspread, Mm -hmm. ran Mm -hmm. to the bathroom, and Mm -hmm. then when I came back, the whole bed was on fire. Yes, you had a problem with your sequencing there, I think. I hadn't quite thought this through. And I remember standing at the bedroom and then just screaming. But guess what? My poor sister was asleep, you know. Not in the bed that was on fire. No, she was asleep in a single bed beside it. But she's deep asleep. She wakes up. The bed is on fire, so she wakes up to flames. My my brother and my eldest brother, my mum, came running upstairs they, I don't, oh my goodness, they folded the the bed and the mattress was on fire and they opened the window. We had big windows and they threw it out the window. Mm-hmm. And there was complete chaos in the house. And <laughs> and I was there going, and no one was going, what happened? What happened? There's a big fire in the house. My poor sister was traumatized. And then, um, you know, I remember climbing up on my mum's knee and whispering in her ear that I had did it. And my brother, I think he was going to kill me. <sighs> so you, yeah, fest, you, fest, you fessed up even though no one was, there was no inquiry. Totally. Well, they sort of were going, what's happened? And then, you know, <laughs> there wasn't many options to the end of that story. Yeah, I guess so. so. I guess so. You were yeah, the only so one. Was, you were the only one yeah. awake at that point. Yeah. I was the only one awake <laughs> in the bedroom. And my sister said that that night, I will never sleep in another room with you. And um, she went and slept with my mum. Right. And she hasn't. She hadn't. Well, I, I don't say I don't say I blame her. You know, I remember I remember it's it's so funny hearing your story. You know, because it just takes me back to my childhood. Because we had, I think we probably had about four bedrooms, but with so many of us, it still didn't work out very well. And there was a very brief period in my life when I was probably about six 
maybe six, yeah, where I actually had to sleep in a double bed with one of my sisters. And I think it probably um, it probably explains a lot of issues with me. <laughs> but I found it a really troubling experience, especially in winter. And I remember the first night she put the electric blanket on this bed and she said, Paul, this is an electric blanket and if you wet the bed, we will both be electrocuted. <laughs> And I don't think I slept the whole winter. I, I honestly was just so terrified of of us being electrocuted and the blame I'd get for electrocuting two people. I remember wetting the bed and yeah. being in the middle of this double bed with two, there's three of us used to sleep in one double bed. Yeah. And, you know, my sisters being so mad with me during the night when I'd wet the bed and they'd have to get out and change the sheets and it'd be freezing because the coal fire would have went out. So the house wasn't warm at all, so yeah. Oh yeah, dear, oh you poor thing. I, I do. I, I owe my sisters a lot, actually. <laughs> yes, yes. It sounds like they had to put up with quite a bit. Um, yeah. And I love the way I love the way that you one upped me there. That I shared a bed with my sister, but you had three in a double bed. I yeah. really, I really, I got that. <laughs> I got that, and well done. Well done. Yeah, yeah there were three of us. Uh, I thought it was such a luxury when I was 12 and we moved. And my sisters, a couple of them had got married. They got married at 18. and off Just to get out of the place. Yep, yep. Yeah, yep. I, I reckon, I reckon. And, you know, full credit to them. They're still married now. Like one of them is about to be married for 47 years. So, And she's so young, so it's incredible. Yeah, that's amazing. But um, we moved house. And when we moved house, only um, my sister and I and my brother went and it was another three-bedroomed house. So I thought it was a massive luxury just sharing a bedroom with one sister. Yeah, yeah. Um, Isn't that amazing? And you look at kids today and if they don't have their own room, that seems like quite an inconvenience for them. And you go, yeah, try sharing a double bed with one of your siblings and, or, or two of your siblings and see how much you like that. So tell me, what happened to your dad? So when I was very little, I was about two or three. I think I was three maybe. Um, d- Mum and Dad weren't getting on very well, but they ha- they had never really got on. Um, I remember I had this boyfriend once, and um, I was living with him. The first time I lived with a boyfriend, it wasn't going that well. And I rang my mum one night and I said, "Mum, how did you know when things weren't right with my dad?" And she said, "Do you know what? When Johnny was about three months old, that's when I knew it wasn't good." We're- I started to laugh because. Johnny is the eldest of the family. <laughs> uh, I'm like, you had six more kids. She went, I know, but that's what we had to do in those days. So, um, yeah, I was very uh, thankful. And I, I walked away from that relationship with that advice from my mum. It sounds <laughs> like, it sounds like she kids. was just trying to lose your old man in the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, my poor mum, yes. Um, and I don't remember... You know, my sisters will talk about, you know, them fighting. I guess they must have fought a lot, but I don't remember any of that. You know, I was just a baby or, or probably not born. Um, but anyway, so I was about two or three and uh, my mum came up with a plan on how to uh, leave my dad. And um, I actually, she went to live with someone. It might be one of her sisters. She had two sisters because at this stage, my her mum, my gran, who lived across the, we had the old back lanes and yeah. the houses sort of backed onto each other. And she lived across the road, so she was a massive help to my mum. But she died when I was one. So my mum was only 35 and she had seven kids and then oh. lost her mum. So it was pretty tough and she wasn't having a great time with her 
husband, my dad. So she came up with this plan to take some of the kids. And I don't know why to this day she didn't take all of us. And she chose my eldest sister and then the next sister to her, who's very sensitive. And then my brother, who was next up to me. But So she left my eldest brother, um, my sister, who we, who is the funniest of all of us, but we definitely think she's very crazy. And my sister, who was eight years older than me, who then became the, my carer. So the story goes, because this has been handed down to so, me. So hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. So she just packed up and left with three of her, the chosen three of her seven <laughs> children. <laughs> Do you want to now, hear that you, you, back? It sounds really bad. <laughs> well, you sort of glossed over it quite quickly. Like, okay, so mum, <laughs> mum cherry picked her favourites, and then she left. And it's like, oh, okay. So, as the youngest, as the baby of the family, as the one who's you know said to be the spoiled, perhaps the favourite, it didn't uh, maybe hurt your feelings that she'd taken off and she didn't think of taking you. Who was bound to be the lightest? Luckily, you know. Do you know what? I just in this message needs to go out to all mothers because <laughs> I'm sure we have bad days and we think, oh, we're a terrible mother. Can I tell you? We don't remember. It's okay. <laughs> Not remember being late. I think a lot of psychotherapists would probably disagree with you on that one, Ali. But okay, good. <laughs> Okay. Uh, oh dear. So yes, so she could only take a few of us mm-hmm. and she left the rest behind. Yes. Her plan was that dad would not be able to cope with these kids. Dad was much older than mum. Right. So he was like 12 years older than her. So she, and, and in those days, they, their dads didn't really be were part of the family. Mm. So she knew that he would not cope. And we lived in a rented house and the rent book had his name on it. So she needed that rent book. So, of course, she was absolutely right in her plan. Dad went, I can't cope. He said, yeah, you can have the house back and the kids. Because I think at the time he was going, this is my house and oh, these are my kids. Oh, okay. okay. So, um, so, yeah, so then she, um, yeah, so it worked. Well, so listen, listen, that sounds like a really uh, great story that your mum spun you. But I would like to question you here. <laughs> Just as an independent arbiter of what I'm hearing, now if her plan all along was to drive your dad to distraction so he'd just clear off, wouldn't it have been smarter for her to leave all seven children because then it would have happened faster? (laughs) Well, you know, I uh, think that she had to take the three she took because they were the sensitive ones that's my spin on it okay okay we were the hardy ones i think the ones she left behind she would always know we'd be okay because you know i'd be okay because my 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 elder sister who was 11 was actually in charge of me now so she was very responsible so she ticked those boxes and then my sister up from there who's completely crazy she was like well she will just drive her father crazy so that was a good plan good yes yes and and i guess she left my eldest brother thinking well somebody needs to be in charge so um you know i I don't know i think it was well thought through that's That's, my that's my belief on that that's your take on it that's actually quite good isn't it i mean i love to think of her just lying in bed at night just plotting it out i'd like to think that she had a mental spreadsheet of all the kids and thinking okay now to maximize the irritation to uh, my husband, I'll leave this one, this one, this one. Uh, but then I also need someone who's got a bit of responsibility. And so she would have been, it would have been like a little Rubik's Cube that she had to put yeah. together. 
I think that's quite ingenious. You know, I think so. I think so. I think she underestimated herself by saying, you know, she worked in a factory and she was like, oh, maybe I'm not, I'm not clever. And I think she was very clever. That was the complete opposite. Yeah, yeah. So um, it worked because three weeks later we were back in that house her net all together. Her name was on the rent book and dad had left. <laughs> so, but there she is now, a single parent of seven. Oh my God. And do you have any recollection of that time that, uh, you were at home, you were alone with your dad? No, no, none at all. No, no. none at all. Do, my sisters do; they talk about it. But is there is there something? Yeah, I was going to ask: is there something in the family folklore about that period? About uh, some examples of how he was just not coping at all? Yeah, no, there's not actually. They oh, didn't right. really talk about that at all. Isn't that funny? Yeah, yeah. I just, you know, I, I think that's another lesson in life. You know, I say the other lesson, mums, don't worry. Kids do forget things, mm-hmm. so don't worry about it. And the other lesson is that, you know, we, we can just look back on those times and you don't need to take all the baggage with you. Just leave it there. Yeah, right, that's okay. My sisters did. Yeah, they were oh, like, yeah, it happened. And oh, I think that's such, that is so, such a hardy and positive kind of way of just, Treating what, what from an outsider's point of view, you could go, wow, that's a really kind of fucked up little scenario. There. <laughs> I know, it's uh, funny. Yeah, no, yeah. it's it's hilarious. That's what it is. So, um, <laughs> so when when your dad moved out, did you did you have much to do with him uh, over the years after that point, or was that a very much no, a clean break? No, do you know, I think that is the saddest thing about the story. Yeah, and I think um, we're. we're really close family and um, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that made us even closer when there were seven of us and uh, eight of us sorry with my mum so we're really close all the nieces and nephews are really close and I think he missed out on that and um, he sort of we used to go to see um, his mum was called Nana so we used to go to see Nana and uh, my memories from there are two things One is carnations, because they always grew carnations in the garden. And the other thing is chicken soup with Mm. bread with butter on it. That's what Nana used to make us when we used to go. So, you know, I always remember this lovely, and it was Heinz tinned chicken soup. Oh, she'd spare no expense, old Nana. (laughs) (laughs) We thought that was posh when we went to Nana's and had a Heinz chicken soup with because you butter on um, your bread, my mm. goodness, that that was that was a luxury then. <laughs> so, so, but it was sad because we only got to see him. I got to see him a handful of times, really. Yeah. Um, and then, oh, this is sad. This is this is not um not as funny as the rest of my stories. But I do remember when I was eighteen, and I hadn't seen him since I was about eleven, and I thought, you know, I need to go see my dad. And he lived in the same house where Nana lived. And I knocked on the door and he opened the door and he said, can I help you? And I went, Dad, it's me. And he said, sorry. I went, it's Alison. (laughs) (laughs) And I I think, I feel like I'm having an out-of-body experience. Like if someone was telling me that story, I was going, really? Your dad didn't know you? But again, there were lots of stories like that when I grew up. So it wasn't that unusual and we had a lovely day and he showed me his carnations in the garden and and he you know he was very remorseful and said I wasn't really a very good dad and I was like it doesn't matter yeah so yeah it's now. But, but but also also Ellie I reckon part of it was the era I mean I just think it was a time when when dads weren't heavily involved in your lives at all like for all I know my dad could have moved out for most of my childhood and I don't think I would have noticed you know know. because they they were there 
they, he seemed to be there occasionally, um, you know, when the races or the pub wasn't open. And, you know, and it, it just seems... It seems like of a time, I think. Yeah. Having him not recognise you is, is probably taking, <laughs> taking that to the extreme. <laughs> I know, and that was the last time I ever saw him. Yeah, right. Which was when I was 18 because I then moved away from the area. I moved from the north of England down near the south um, with work and uh, and then he died when I was 21 so yeah yeah it was, well look it was at least sad, but... at least you did that and it's funny you know again you, you you're saying all the telling me all these stories that trigger me I remember when I was moving overseas after I'd finished uni and to go for god knows how long and I thought oh I haven't told dad that I'm moving overseas and I was at the airport um getting ready to get on the plane and I remember going to the public telephone and ringing him and saying, "Oh, Dad, I'm 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 heading off overseas." And he said, "Oh, okay. Uh, when are you going?" And I went, "Oh, in about twenty minutes." <laughs> and then he died while I was overseas. That was the last conversation I ever had with him, and it was just yeah. so unplanned that it even happened. And it just goes to show the place that that parent had in your life growing up. But it was always an afterthought. Yeah, yeah. And, it, you know, and I, I think one of the things that I do take in my life today from my childhood is that I'm very female-focused, you know, I'm, um, and it's, I guess it's because I had five mums, you know, four yeah. other sisters and yeah. my mum. And so, and I, I was, my eldest brother took on a bit of a fatherly role. Yeah. Um, and the saddest thing about that is he died last year of a heart attack out of the blue. Yeah. And we all felt it. And we all said he was like a father to us when we were, when we were little. Yeah, you know? right. And I, and I think about that and I think what responsibilities he would have had at such a young age. I mean, he was 15 years old older than me so he was 15 when I was born and um so but even 18 19 he was still looking after you know, like this family where I'm sure he felt responsible so, yeah, yeah yeah when your dad moved out so you all came back did that make a big difference to your lives yes yeah absolutely it did make a big difference but I guess you know I got more freedom as I grew up because I had one parent and she had to work and she occasionally went out at night to the bingo, hence my brother leaving, uh, babysitting me. So my brother was in charge of me a lot. Yeah. And so I had to hang out with his friends who were five years older because if my mum was working, then he had to look after me at the weekend. Yeah. Which, of course, can you imagine how popular I was with him? Yeah, I bet. Um, and, and that's where he taught me my biggest skills, which is learning to smoke at 11. Um <laughs> And there may have been a bit of alcohol in there. And he did that so I wouldn't tell on him. So he, um, yeah, put me to smoke. And I oh, right. So he was, school. so because he was smoking, he thought the best way to keep a mouth shut is to stick yeah. a fag in it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then he said, now, he said, just try this. And I was like, no, I don't think so. I still remember where we were the day I did it. I mean, the thought, I, I have an 11-year-old, and the thought of her smoking, I'm like, are you kidding me? And I, but I remember my brother going, just try this. I was like, no, I don't think so. He was going, just, no, so you can just see what it's like. And I remember that first inhalation and feeling very sick after yeah. it. And he's, and then his next words out of his mouth was, if you tell mum on me, I'm going to tell her you smoke too. And then suddenly I was like, oh. You come from a family of fantastic strategists. <laughs> 
<laughs> you <laughs> really yeah, we do. do. Wow. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Yeah, there's skills and everything, right? Yeah. So, okay, so so you took up smoking. So did you actually – Did you? was there ever a point where you actually started to enjoy it or – Yes, I think when I was 12. I, I, so you kept at it. You kept at it for a year and then you thought, yeah, actually I quite like this. I, I smoked all through high school. Oh, my all God. All through high school. Actually, I, I'm, I'm horrified now because I think I was younger than I le- 11 when – uh, my brother did that to me. I might have been 10 because then we moved house when I was 11. And I started high school when I was 11 um, and I smoked all through high school. So um, <clears throat> I used to be a really good runner, yeah. but I always had my – there was uh, some shops not far from my school and they would sell single cigarettes. <gasps> and you'd get a single cigarette and I'd put it in my sock with a match and then we'd start the cross country. Of course, I'd stop halfway to have my cigarette, and then I could still come in third. So really, <laughs> I can't. And that's with the bloody. And that's with Smoko halfway through. Yeah, that's with a Smoko. But the, the good thing about that is, is that in my early twenties, I gave up smoking because I'd had enough. Yeah. Oh, that's good, isn't it? That is actually yeah. that is actually a really good strategy, and um, yeah. maybe that's how we should be. Uh, the uh, cancer council or the health department should be deterring <laughs> smoking in young people. Just get maybe them addicted when they're ten. Oh, you could be fantastic. You could be go to visit all the schools and just pass the cigarettes out. <laughs> oh, yeah. dear. So, oh, that's fantastic. And so. So and uh, so and he also you mentioned that he also got you into booze as well, did he? Yes, I think oh. it was a similar thing. You know, just have a taste of mum's right. vodka. We'll fill it up with water. You can't tell on me now. So, yeah, right. Okay. You, you, yeah. Do you think would you have told on him had you not been implicated? I don't think I would have told on him. I adored my big brother. My yeah. goodness. Yeah. Right. So, no, I wouldn't have told him at all. <laughs> He doesn't sound like he was all that fond of you, I've got to say. <laughs> he wasn't when I was little. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. I do. We're talking about that. I do remember. So, I, so I'm quite young for the UK school year. So my birthday is end of July, yeah. which means I started school when I had just turned four. Yeah, right. Wow. And, wow. And I remember being super, super excited because all of my brothers and sisters would leave home for school and I'd be left behind. And I remember just being really lonely and missing them. And I remember the day came where my mum said, it's your day. And my, I had a new vest and I had some new white socks and I'm getting ready that morning. And my mum and her sister, my auntie who lived next door, she lived in the house next door to us. And we walked to school and I thought it was the best thing ever. But when I came home that night, I remember saying to her, Thank you, that's enough now. I don't want to go back. <laughs> From that moment forward, I screamed every day going to school. And I mean on the pavement, lying down. And they literally had to – I was late every day. Well, my poor sister, who was eight years older than me, it was my mother, you know, when my mum left, her high school was in the same block as my little infant school. And she had to take me to school and I made her late every day. It's a strong word, but I, I remember her on a daily occasion saying, I hate you, you're making me late for school. Oh, oh, that must have been so annoying for them. Oh, 
I sound awful, don't I? I must have been horrible. Yeah, but 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 true. When you put it in context, I mean, you were only four. I mean, that is that is quite incredible. Did, did your mum ever remarry? Yeah. Oh, yeah. really? When I was about nine, she met my stepdad, right. and um, and she married my stepdad, and he was a very brave man because he, wasn't he didn't he? have any children. Oh my God! Yeah. So so this is this guy who'd never married, never had any children, suddenly inheriting a family of seven. How old so, was um, he, do you reckon, when, when they got hitched? He was younger than my mum. So right. um, hang on, my mum, he must have been in his late 30s. Late 30s. Maybe about 30, 36 or 37. Oh, my God. My Can you imagine doing that? Being so no. set in your ways as this single man all your life and then all of a sudden yeah. transforming your life into having, like, all these burdens. <laughs> yeah, I know. There's, and there's a huge joke with my family. So so one of my sisters who got married at 18, she I love her story because she met her husband in a bar. She was 18 years old and he was um, a ship's captain. Mm-hmm. And then they dated for two weeks and then he went off to sea. Mm-hmm. While he was off to sea, he wrote to her saying, you know, I'm in love with you. I want to get married. Will you marry me? And she said, yes. So they only actually met for two weeks. He came home. They got married and off they went to sea together. So anyway, so she comes home and she sees this man in the house <laughs> and she hasn't been introduced to him to know who he is. And then my sister says to one of her other sisters, what is my elder sister? What is she doing with him? He's way too old for her. And they went, no, no, no. That's not her boyfriend. That's mum's boyfriend. (laughs) (laughs) So there was this this moment where she thought she was, you know, my sister, her sister's boyfriend, and it wasn't mum's, and he was younger. So some things didn't get off to a good start with my stepdad, I have to say. Really? You know, again, I just think, Sometimes we just carry stuff too much. And when we look back, I think what a brave man he was, mm. you know, mm. to take on a, a woman with seven kids. And and she definitely, definitely had the better years of her life with him. And yeah. we had a better life with him. You know, we were able to move to a house and eventually buy it. So my mum bought her first house when I think she was in her 50s. Yeah, right. So, um you know, and took her on holiday. She'd never been on holiday before. And so he, he really did make her life far better. Yeah, but you do wonder whether, you know, he just had absolutely no idea of what he was no actually idea. stepping into. So no ra- rather than saying he was a brave man for doing it, he, he may have just been completely <laughs> ignorant. <laughs> So tell me, so tell me the, um, you know, you moving to the other side of the world and having two kids, do you yeah. feel like you've got such a tiny little network now? Tiny, tiny, yeah. yeah. And I met um, my, one of my daughters was dancing and I, and one of her little friends was there and I said, oh, I'll drop you home. And I was talking to this little girl and I said, oh, do you have any siblings? And she said, yes, there are, there are eight of us. And I said, Really? And she said, yes. And I went, oh, my goodness. And as the mum opened the door, I went, oh, I hear you have eight children. Oh, how lucky you are. And I, I tell you, this lady looked at me and she must have thought, that's the first time anybody's ever said that to me here in Manly. <laughs> Quite possibly. 
I was like, I wanted to go in a house and just sit with all the kids, but I thought it's the first time I've met this college. I was like, oh, <laughs> back off, Ali, back off. Yeah, I know. It's like, oh man, just two. It's not enough. My husband's from. My husband is from two, and he was like, no, we're having two, and that's it. <laughs> He sees the chaos when he used to go to my mum. Yes. And have the kids and the dogs. And 27 was a small family gathering. Yeah. I'm sure you find that too. Oh, indeed. Indeed. Oh, dear. Oh, <laughs> oh look, I love your story. And I, I absolutely love the unusual way that your mum got the family that she wanted. It certainly wasn't the most straightforward method, but but she achieved it, you know. And I think it's just such a a great story that you can look back on and just laugh at and just embrace, Ali. Oh, lovely! Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of My Fucked Up Family enough to subscribe, share, or like. And remember, if you have your own fucked up family story you'd like to share, contact us through our Facebook page.